Yeah, hello. We got to get going because I got lots of fun stuff to say today. Um, let me start my Fitbit so I know how many steps I get. Um, <laughs> thank you. If you don't know, my, na my name is Courtney, and I'm somebody that Jake has uh, given the privilege to sometimes get up here and share with you. And I'm really excited about the truth today and the series that we're in. The truth today is on your flyer. The longing for the Lord is inside you. And if you've been with us, Jake, two weeks ago, uh, launched us into a series entitled Heart Rhythms. And this series, uh, is the goal is uh, to get us thinking about the things that help us move along this spiritual journey. Um, and Mallory, last week, she used the truth, when I seek God, I will find him. And if you personally missed either of those messages, I would encourage you to go back to our podcast, listen to them, um, because this journey that we're going on is vital. And, and our hope is that we're going to take some time to reflect uh, on, on what, we're, what we're currently doing in our lives and the rhythms of our heart um, and the direction that they take us. Uh, because that's key, right? Um, we want to get to the end of our lives and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I want to ask you, have you heard this question before? Um, where do you want to be in five years? If you're like me, I've heard that question in a job interview, right? And in a job interview, I try to mention their mission, and I tell them, of course, I want to be working there, right? Um, and, and yet, I asked myself this question one time, um, where do I want to be spiritually in five years? Have you ever asked that question from a spiritual perspective? You can also do it and look back. Think back five years ago. Where were you spiritually? How old were you five years ago? I was 25 five years ago. Um, where was I spiritually? And, and, and if I look at the last five years, have I moved? Um, am I more in line with God's will? Do I know God better? Is that the goal? Because if it is, am I getting there? And where do I want to be in five years from now? These questions help me as I process. What's my direction? Um, am I on the path I want to go? And deeper than that, am I on the path God would have me go? Because ultimately, that is key, right? Because if I'm a Christian, that means I'm a follower of Christ, a follower of Jesus. And if that is true of me, then, then that is my direction, following him towards him, towards what he would call me to, towards what he would want for my life. 1 John says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did, walking in his steps, walking after him. Jesus himself, in John chapter 12, said, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. I had never, before this, I had never isolated that, pass, that like, phrase. It was so like touching to me. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant will also be. So the question today is, is am I following him? Like if he steps, am I following in those steps, the steps that he would have for me? And where he is, there my servant may also be. So am I with him? Am I near him? These are important questions. Another important question is, do I want to be? Like, truly, do I feel like I want to be closer to him? Or like I want to be more like him? I do. I truly do. When I still myself, when I quiet myself, 
I have this longing inside of me for him. That in my gut, I want to know more of him. I want to be with him. I want to be out of this life and, and, and with him forever in heaven. I long for that. But do you know what? If you look at my day-to-day, moment-by-moment life, you wouldn't always see that longing. You would not always see that longing. You'd see longings for other things. You'd see longings for me to sit on my couch and eat junk food or whatever I do. You'd see other things that I choose. And so it gets a little dizzy because I do have this longing for him inside of me, and yet I get tempted and distracted. Can any of you connect with that today? You have a true, you feel it, you know it's there, a true longing for the Lord, but so many other, other things can pull us away and keep us from growing like we wish we would grow or from connecting with God like we want to. Maybe um, you're sitting out there today and you want to feel that longing. When I describe having something in my gut that draws me to him, you say, oh, that sounds cool. I want that, but if I'm honest, I really don't. Not right now. There's something else you long for. If you're being truly, truly honest, and I've been here before too, there's someone else. There's someone else that you want more than God right now. Or there's some other thing that truly, if you're being honest, is more enticing to you right now than God is. And they pulls you away. And why? Did you ever wonder that too? God, why? If you're so all the things I think you are or all the things I say you are, then why is something else more enticing to me? Have you ever wondered that? Like, is it his fault? Like, is there something wrong with him? Is he really not that cool? We're honest. I think we wonder that. Why am I being enticed by all these other things that pull me away? It's not him. It's not The problem is we have too many distractions in this world, too many things, too many substitutes that that suffice, that they get me through another day. They're okay. I survive to tomorrow on this, right? I do that all the time. I need rest so bad. And I watch a couple hours of TV, and I don't feel any more rested. It's fake. It's a fake rest. I get by, but I'm just surviving. I'm not truly living. I think you get this. I think you felt that before. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Oh, that hits me. That resonates with me. Because if I'm being honest with you, I've had a horrible couple of years. Like, the last four years of my life have probably been the worst four years of my life. And I've gotten caught up in so much of my own stuff. My personal turmoil, the chaos of my job. I've gotten caught up in, you know, giving 140% and never being good enough. And, and it's, it sucks. And And it wears me into worry and stress and turmoil and brokenness and exhaustion. And those things are the the mind of sinful man because I'm living in this world too much. Ever been there? Ever feel like you're just surviving, like you're just barely putting one foot in front of the other and you don't even know what the point of doing that is? That is me. 
That is me a lot of this last year because I've been living in the mind of sinful man. And in that mind of sinful man, I cannot experience the life and peace of the Spirit. If your heart, like mine, craves life and craves peace, you're craving the Spirit. And those can be ours, those can be mine, if I choose to live in the things of the Spirit. Because the truth is, today, no matter what you're feeling, if you're a follower of Jesus, then today, right now, in this moment, you can live in life. And you can live in peace. You can live in the Spirit. You can live in the new self. Ephesians chapter 4 says, You were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off the old. Put off the old, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And then it says, And to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Put off the old, the sinful mind that is death. And put on the new. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. Romans 12 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, right, by the renewing of your mind. And Ephesians 4 continues, and uh, put off the old, be made new in the attitude of your mind, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you're a sinner saved by grace today in Jesus, then no matter how you feel, or what other things are distracting you, or how many times you choose other longings, if you have had that moment in your life where you said, yes, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and save me, then you have inside of you a new self and a longing for the Lord that is real, and it is worth waking up and pursuing. And maybe it's just gotten buried I bury mine sometimes. I bury it under other things. I bury it under my selfishness. Are you doing that? Do you have your longing for the Lord somewhat buried under your deceitful desires? Under your sin? I think it's buried for some of us in some way. And, And it's time for us to dig it up. So we're going to talk about that today. You might be sitting there, there's one other group of person that might be sitting there, um, and, and you don't have a, you don't feel that longing for the Lord, and you don't want it. If you're being honest, you say, I don't want God at all. That's something that you feel, and as a real feeling, and, and maybe it's because of, um, you're mad at God, or maybe because you're very hurt, and I'm not going to tell you what you feel, but there are two things that are true of you today that you may not be thinking about, and and those things are this. One, you are in church on a Sunday morning, and two, I'm about 10, 12 minutes into this message, and you're still listening to me, and so you can hear. Your heart can hear. You are more open and ready to connect with God than you want to think. You just have to be willing to be honest with him and tell him all those things that you know you need to tell him. And take a step of faith towards seeking him. Like Mallory's truth, if I seek God, I will find him. God said that in his word. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Psalm 145 says, 
The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Okay, let me tell you a story. Um, when I was a kid, um, I grew up in McCook, and I, was on, I lived on a block, and I had two neighbor kids that were my same age, Sarah and Mitchell. Those are their real names. Um, and Mitchell and I walked home from school together every day because our parents thought that'd be safer, right? And we used to trade off whose house we would go to first. And every day, every day, when one or the other of us would leave, one of us would say, see you later, alligator. And the other would say, after a while, crocodile. It's true. Um, and when we were in third grade, Mitchell started taking taekwondo lessons. And I remember thinking, man, that's cool. My friend is cool. And secretly, I wanted to take those lessons too. If you had gone up to my third grade self, and honestly, I was about this tall, so you don't even have to bend over. Um, <laughs> you, you come up to me and you say, hey, Courtney, would you like to do that with Mitch? Would you like to go take taekwondo lessons? I'd say, yeah, that'd be cool. I do. I really did. But I never said anything, and I never told my mom, and I never did it. Um, and if I'm being honest, okay, so that was 21 years ago. And if I'm being honest, over the last 20 plus years, I've always kind of thought that'd be fun, like to take taekwondo lessons. I think maybe it's because my older brother always beat the crap out of me, and I would love to just be able to throw him over my shoulder. Um, but I've always thought it would be kind of cool, truthfully. And even if you would come up to me 20 years later and say, hey, Courtney, would you like to take taekwondo lessons? Truthfully, I would say, yeah, that would be awesome. But if we reflect, okay, if we look back on, you know, if, if you'd asked my nine-year-old self, where do you want to be in 20 years in your taekwondo skills? And, and I'd say, yeah, I want to be a black belt or whatever. Um, if we look at the last 20 years, we can't say I've done very well. Okay, um, I know nothing, all right? I've had this desire all my life, but um, you'd have no idea if you looked at my life because I've never even told anyone that. And I've never gone to a class I've never looked into going to a class. Um, at best, I've watched The Karate Kid. <laughs> These guys. Um, I had this specific desire inside of me, but I basically did nothing about it. But do you know why? Truthfully, um, probably because I wasn't that interested. Do you know what I mean? Like, not enough to give up anything else. Not enough to, like, shamefully go tell my mom I want to do this. I don't know why that's shamefully, but felt like it was, um, or make time for it, right? I really did want to do it, but just not that bad. Okay, and I think as Christians, I think some of us are kind of like that, right? Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. Maybe you're 20-some years into your Christian faith. And if you ask yourself, where do you want to be as a Christian, truthfully, you maybe haven't moved like you thought you should or what, like you would want to. Maybe you're no, not much closer than you were a long time ago. And if that's true, you know, we got to take a look at this, right? Because if I really wanted to be closer to the Lord, just like if I really wanted to develop the skill of Taekwondo, then I've got to move somehow, right? Now let me tell you this, actually. Two weeks ago, literally two weeks ago, I signed up for Taekwondo lessons. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I have taken five classes so far. Um, and you know what? Here's the thing. 
I, in 20 years, I could have kept sitting on it. Who cares? I don't need to learn that skill, right? And, and the other thing I could have done is I could make myself feel badly. You, you want to do this, but you're not doing anything, and the guilt, the shame of, you know, you're a loser. You don't even have a black belt. I don't. I'm very much a white belt. I can do like two things, um, and and it's pretty exciting. I know. I look. I look intimidating though, don't I? Okay. Um, Tamara wanted me to kick, but I'm not going to. Okay. Um, but you guys, I'm moving. I am moving towards my interest. Okay. I can do this. Oh, I did it. <laughs> I can do a little bit, and my skill is slowly growing. And, and my interest is also growing. The more I learn of Taekwondo, the more I want to. This is a true principle for our Christian faith as well. And so that, you guys, that's the goal of this series, is to get us moving. You know, you don't have to become a black belt Christian overnight. And in fact, let's give that up. That's not going to happen. Okay? Just like me for my Taekwondo the gal that was talking to me about it, she said it took her six years to get her black belt. Because real skills take time. And truthfully, I want to have to work for something like that. Otherwise, it feels like I haven't gained anything. Right? So Christian walk skills, they're no different. They take time. Right? We know relationships take time and effort. Relationship with God is no different. So today, if as a Christian, you, you feel like you should be a black belt, who cares? You're not. Maybe you are a white belt or a yellow belt or a green. I don't even know all the colors, you guys. Um, whatever color of, of belt we're wearing or wherever we're at in our Christian walk, let it go. What matters is that we start moving towards the one we claim to follow, Jesus. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. So we're going to get moving, okay? And we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at this question. Where is your longing buried? What is it buried under? Because you're a follower of Jesus, you have that desire inside of you. Is it buried a little bit? What's it buried under? What barriers... Here's another way to ask it. What barriers have you placed between you and God? That's the question. And as I was processing this message, I went, I went for a walk. This is how I like to process things. I'm out walking and talking to myself. You've seen that person on, a, like on the, like the bus bench that's like gesturing and talking, but there's no one there? That is me. <laughs> I'm like not even lying. Um, but I was out on a walk, and I was processing this, and I was thinking about how our culture puts all these barriers in between us and God, and, and how it's uh, so hard to, in our world, keep pursuing him. And I wanted to talk about that. And yet God kept kind of giving me this thought that, like, you know what? I put barriers in between me and him. And I was, I, seriously, I was like, no, God, I could never do that. Like, I wouldn't put, I, would, I wouldn't put anything between me and you. I wouldn't do that. No way. But then I actually asked him. I said, okay, God, do, do I? Do I have anything between you and me? And he whispered to me, fear. Like, fear. <sighs> yep, it's true. It is true. 
I bury my longing for the Lord under fear. I'm afraid of what he might do. Anybody feel like that? Or I'm afraid of what he might, honestly, I'm afraid of what he might make me give up. And truthfully today, if I'm being really honest with you today, the biggest thing that I'm afraid of is God's Holy Spirit. I'm afraid of God's Spirit in me because it's so much more powerful than I ever knew. This is, this is me being very honest. And this story might sound really crazy, but I want to tell you this. Um, the first time I ever got up here at this church and shared was um, November 5th of last year. Some of you were here. Um, and Jake had initially asked me to speak uh, like a couple years before that, and it took me a long time because I wanted to process it well, which is good, and I had some concerns because I've never been a part of a church and I've never thought that was right to have a female up here. And I really, really struggled with that. And, and so I'm like, uh, uh, Jake, you know, I need some time to think and to process. And then I just sat on it. And, and time went by and God finally got me to the place where he said, this is something I want you to do. And I had to make a choice of obedience. Um, I had to let other things go to get up here. And, and when I got up here that day on November 5th, I don't have a lot of moments like this, but I know in that moment I was where God wanted me. I know it. Have you ever felt, have you ever been 100% for that moment, 100% in God's will? Right where God would have you? Doing right what God would have you to do? Because I was where I was on November 5th. I know it. That's where he wanted me. And do you know the other thing is, um, teaching this like this is a weight, and it is um, something not to be underestimated and something not to be taken lightly. To get up here and to speak out of God's word or say things that come from his word, there is, that's no small thing. And it's something that I cannot do on my own. No, that comes, I think it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I should have checked. But Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Have you heard that? And Paul follows after that, and he says, that's why, because Jesus said that his grace is sufficient for me, and his power is made perfect in weakness. That's why I, Paul, delight in weakness, and in insults, and hardships, and persecutions. Because when I'm weak, then Christ's power rests on me. When I'm weak, then I'm strong in him. We know this. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Colossians 3 something says, you, have, you are hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so when I got up here to speak on behalf of God's word on November 5th, it was God's thing. And I was right where he would have me. And I, I'm being honest, I felt his power in me. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit surging through you? You get a little shaky? Where I thought the power, I seriously, I thought the power of God was going to fly off my fingertips. Like, it felt that strong. I'm not joking. And, and I knew how to be up here in that. But I didn't know how to go home on Sunday afternoon in that. I wanted to go do my own thing. I didn't know how to be filled with God's spirit like that and live the rest of my life. How do I, how do I live my normal life? And that brought my mind to my second barrier. Fear's my first barrier that I put between me and God. 
And my second barrier is selfishness. Because I want to sit on the couch and watch TV, or I want to go do my own thing. And how do I do that when the Spirit of God is supposed to be surging through me when I'm surrendered to him? Because surrendered means he's my master, he's my God. And what I want to do is I want to put the Spirit over here, you know, and I want to say, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'll come back for you when I want to go serve God again, you know. Um, When I want to go be spiritual again, I'll come get you. I'll let you know. But I can't do that. That's not walking in the Spirit. And essentially, that's me putting a stiff arm out to God's Spirit. Guys, this is what he was showing me. This is being very personal, but this is what he's been showing me. So let me ask you personally, what are your barriers? Do you connect with my barrier of fear or of selfishness? The third barrier that God showed me that I have um, is affection for other people. See, because I have people that I love that I don't want to let down, I don't want to disappoint, I don't want to hurt. And I feel like if I dive fully into what God would call me to do, they wouldn't understand. And I would have to hurt them. They would think I don't love them. This is how I see it. And, And so that's a barrier for me. You connect with that barrier? I want you to ask yourself, what are your barriers? What keeps you from God? What, what, what buries the longing in your heart for him? Because these barriers, they keep me, they keep us from fully experiencing God. This is not how to live the Christian life. Right? If, if I'm reading the word of God, but I'm putting a stiff arm to his Holy Spirit, then, then I'm missing out on the life that is in here. Or if I'm going and I'm mentoring, I mentor at DCYC, if I'm there mentoring with the girls, but I don't welcome the Holy Spirit to go with me, then I'm speaking out of a selfish heart and a selfish mind. You know, it's easy for me to compartmentalize and say, these are my spiritual things. Holy Spirit, come with me. But what about if I'm just hanging out with my friends or if I'm wanting to do this thing? And if I don't bring the Holy Spirit with me, then everything I do is out of my own selfish heart, my own sinful mind. And from Romans 8, verse 6, we know the sinful mind is death, but the Spirit is life and peace. As I'm bearing my soul here with all these barriers that I put between me and God, I'm thinking, this is so hard. I can't always live in the spirit like this is really how I feel like give up my whole life for this like my whole life really and then I think well that sounds actually kind of familiar and and I remember Jesus said something he said whoever wants to save his life will lose it hits me right here whoever wants to save his life will lose it because I want to save my life But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus said this. It is true. But you know what? When I try to cling to my life and my time and what I want, and I try to push God's spirit away, then I do. And and, and the spirit that is life and peace goes away. And I don't feel that life. And I don't feel that that peace. 
And I'm in my life again with my own worry and my own stress and my own turmoil and my own brokenness. That's so convicting. And it is terrifying because it is undeniable. Here I am up in front of all of you at this crossroads moment, this stake in the ground, line drawn in the sand moment where God's saying to me, what are you going to do? And I hear Jesus say, small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. Real life in the spirit. And he says, and few find it. That's what he's talking about. All right, we're going to look at one more passage, and I do want you to go there. 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, this is going to be something you're going to want to spend more time with today. So I want you to be familiar with it. Verse 3. This no joke blows my mind. I can't even tell you. Um, the words on this page are ridiculous. Like if you actually hear them and say, he just said what? Yeah, I'll show you. Okay. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life. I'm going to pause for a second. His divine power has given us everything we need for life. Have you ever read that passage before? Have you ever let that hit you? Because here I am saying, Lord, there is no stinking way that I can live every moment of my life in your spirit. That is not possible. And I really feel like it's not possible. And yet his word says, hey, in my power, I've given you everything you need for life. That's a pretty all-encompassing. Everything you need for life. And he's not even done talking. I've mid-sentence. Everything you need for life and godliness. What? Everything you need for life and godliness. Because that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living in his divine power. We have everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. He keeps going. He's piling on the blessings here. Oh, my gosh. He says, through these, through his own glory, his own goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. His power, everything I need for life and godliness. His glory, his goodness, his promises, that what? Now, this is big, too. That through them, you may participate in the divine nature. And you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. My evil desires. The Ephesians 4, the deceitful desires of my, my old self, right? Therefore, you formerly were taught to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by your deceitful desires. That's exactly what's being said here. Escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. He's telling me, oh, I get back to the beginning of my notes. He's telling me how to escape the corruption of the world. To escape my deceitful desires. To escape the sinful mind that is death. And to live in the mind of the spirit. The life and the peace that I so crave. And God longs for us to live in life, life and peace. But I, and I crave it. But for some reason, I don't live in it on my own. I want to. But I also want to control my time. And I want to be able to put a spirit on a shelf. And, and you know what it gets me is more struggle more exhaustion, more broken relationships. 
And God, all the while, he's just beckoning me. And he says, I have everything you need. Everything you need for life, for godliness. So come to me. Whoever would be my servant must follow after me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. You draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. I have everything you need for life and godliness. You can have the mind of my spirit. You can have my life. You can have my peace. You can participate in my divine nature, and you can escape all this corruption in the world. Okay, friends, so what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Because we've looked at how there is a longing inside of me for the Lord, and yet I bury it under things. Things that I like, things that I think I really want. And I cling to them because I think I want them. How do we, how do we get free? How do we get rid of these things? I got a quick read, a little bit more of Second Peter here. If you're following along with me, we're going to go to verse 5, and I can't focus on all of it, but there's something I want to get to. So here's verse 5. For this very reason, what all the things we just said, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. And this verse, verse 8, this is sick. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will, watch what they will do. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Think about, think about that. Because I cannot think of a more terrifying thing than to know Jesus, but to get to the end of my life and say that I've been ineffective and that I've been unproductive in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. May that not be said of any of us. And so we got to figure out what to do, because I've got these barriers that keep me from God and keep me from fully living into what he would have me live into. And so as I was on my walk and I was asking God about these barriers, I said to him, okay, now what, God? You show me these barriers. If we're going to talk about this, we can't just stay trapped in our barriers. What do I do? And God gave me this image. So I'm going to end with this image. Okay, and he, and he showed me that what I'm doing is I'm clutching my barriers tight and holding them close. This is what I do. I've got fear in one hand and I've got selfishness in the other and I clasp them tight and then I cover my heart like this. This is what I do. And, and God showed me that there are three, three things to this. Real quick, three quick things. Okay, number one, I have to face them. I have to face these barriers. I have to face the what and the why. You can write that down if you're taking some notes. Face the what and the why of what, what my barriers are. What are they? Well, I'll tell you mine. They're fear and selfishness and more. But as I face them, what are they? I, I, I have to pull them away to look at them. That's the crazy thing. This is true. I have to pull them away from my heart a little bit, and I can't see them if my fists are closed. So when I look at what it is, I'm holding it out like this. So when I face it, I say, oh, God, I just, I want to do my own thing. I want to control my way. 
I want to be selfish. I want to be afraid. I have so much fear inside of me. When I look at those things, when I face them, I pull them away from me and I hold them out a little bit. So that's step one is I face them. And then the second thing is, now that they're in this posture, I lift them up to the Lord and I say, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what your Holy Spirit would be like to live in all the time. And I'm afraid of what I would look like to other people that I care about. And how do I live in that? How do, I, how do I live in that every single day? And how do I let go of my selfishness that is so deep? And I, all I want is to do my own thing and have control because I'm so afraid. And I am both of those things. And I want to let them go, but I don't at all. And so when I lift them up to the Lord, he, he, hear, he has them, but they're still in my hands. And so my third point, I wanted it to be just let them go, but I can't. And so I'll tell you what, I was thinking about this and praying about this, and God, how do I, what do I do? They're here, but I will not let them go. And I was, I was in my apartment by myself at night, and I paused like this, and the only light on in my apartment was right in front of my eyes, right in front of my hands, just like the spotlight is. And God said, look at me. That's how you do it. You look at me. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, the persecutor of Christians, was on the road to Damascus, and, and suddenly a bright light came, and he heard the voice of the Lord, and he fell to the ground. You know this story? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And, and Saul was on the ground, and he was blind, blinded by the light of the Lord, and it threw him to the ground. And as we close, I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 1 because John has a similar encounter at the beginning of Revelation. Um, I'm going to read parts from 12 to 17. Okay, John saying, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. I'm going to skip down a little bit. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. Listen to this. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And he says, when I saw him, I fell down at his feet as though dead. When we face our barriers and when we lift them up and we look at him, they immediately knock us to the ground. He knocks us to the ground because he is so awe-inspiring. And surrender naturally happens. And when I fall to the ground, and my face is to the ground, and my hands are on the ground, I can't hold those barriers anymore. So that's the posture, friends, we've got to get to if we want truly to get to the end of our days. And, and instead of seeing that we've been ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, instead we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I will leave us with the words of Jesus. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for putting inside of us, through the grace of your son, Jesus, and what he did on the cross, the longing that is for you. May we take time to see the brokenness inside of us, to see the things that we put between you, and us, and would you help us to let them go. 
Help us loose the chains that are on us. And may we walk with you, Lord Jesus. And may we be your servant that follows after you and that is near you at all times. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.